Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. We are in week two of this series called Some Assembly Required. And, and what we're doing in this series, what we're talking about in this series is, is about relationships. And uh, if you were here last week, we talked about how uh, we were built for these relationships. Uh, we're built for community. We're built for friendships. We're built for marriage. We're built for parenting. And so next week, we're going to be talking about marriage. The week after, we're going to be talking about parenting. Um, but this week, we're going to be talking about friends and friendship. And the reason why we've called this series Some Assembly Required is because relationships, they could take a lot of work, Right. A lot of you married people should be nodding yes. That was a good place to say amen. You know, like their relationships take a lot of work. And, and I don't know about you, but maybe when you're putting something together and you see those words, some assembly required, how many of you that just fires you up? You're like so excited. There's a few of you. Yep, that's right. It's okay to be honest today. I'm not going to shame anybody. There's a few of you. You love to put things together. Like you'll, you'll get the manual out and you'll lay it out and you'll be like, okay, here we go. And you'll get the tools and the pieces and the parts and you'll lay it all right there. And you're just like, all right, here we go. But how many of you when you see those words, you're putting something together, some assembly required, you're terrified. Like, that's me. I'm raising my hand because it terrifies me. It scares me a little bit. Some of you are not ready to be honest this morning. You're not in the middle of all of this, all right? But like, for, for I think some of us, like for me, I get terrified. I get scared. I'm like, I don't know if I feel really good about this. And, and the reason why is I think for me, anytime I've put something together, to be honest, something's always missing, right? So I got to make that extra trip to the hardware store to find that screw to make sure it matches just right. Or, uh, you know, like sometimes the manual isn't very clear. And so I put something together backwards or, you know, like uh, I think honestly for me growing up, it was my mom and I would put everything together. So it'd be like my dad or my mom, they would buy something, furniture, a grill, a bike, you know, some of my toys. And I would have to put those things together with my mom and I hated it. Like I dreaded it. And to this day, I still don't even understand why we didn't buy just a $50 drill. Why? I think because my parents thought, well, we have a screwdriver. That's just fine. Like I literally by hand put so many pieces of furniture together by just screwing things as tightly as I could. And so I think for me, I get a little terrified. I get a little scared. Christmas is not the most wonderful time of the year for me because some assembly is required. But when it comes to our relationships, we need to make sure that we have the right tools. And so from time to time, it's healthy for us to go to our manual, God's word, and see what God has told us, how our relationships work, to get some tools in our toolbox about how to make our relationships work the way they should. Because since God created everything in this world, God knows best how things should work, including our relationships, and including more specifically our friendships. In fact, I love what Proverbs 17, 17 says. And, and Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And one of the themes that's all throughout Proverbs is that of friendship. And it says this, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. See, we all know that we need close relationships, close friendships, if we are going to survive dark times, especially when we're facing times of adversity. 
But I think one of the challenges for us when it comes to our relationships, when it comes to our friends, is knowing, well, how close am I to my friends? How close am I to these people? I don't know if you've ever had somebody come up to you and be like, hey, I'd like to introduce you to my good friend. And you're like, good friend? Like, I didn't even know we were average friends, let alone good friends, you know? (laughs) And so I think for a lot of us, we struggle with where am I at on this friendship level? Where am I matching up? Where am I on this scale? Well, today I brought a scale for us. And we can look into and see where you're at. In fact, we'll just start. Easy one. We're all on this level at some, some point. It's Facebook friends, right? Now here at Facebook friends, this is, this is all you have in common. The internet and the fact that you like to watch people argue. Like those are about the only, like for me, I love to go on uh, Clarksville now uh, on the Facebook and I like to just look at the comments, right? Like I just like to watch people argue and, and sometimes I'll grab popcorn and I'm just here for all of those arguments, right? Maybe for you, it's, it's more of the fact that you're friends with somebody who dated your third cousin 10 years ago, but like that's really all that you have in common. Then there's level two. This is wedding friends, you know, I've performed a lot of weddings. I've also been in a lot of weddings. In fact, I told my wife, I was like, how is it that I've been in more weddings than you have? Like, you have way more friends and way, like, so for me, I'll have people come up to me and they're like, hey, would you like to be in my wedding? And there have been times where I've been like, are you serious? Like, you know, did your, did your fiance have more bridesmaids than groomsmen? And so you're just scratching at the bottom of the barrel and you're like, Nate and I are friends. This will be great. So there's wedding friends. Level three is Birthday and Christmas friends. Now, uh, this one is, you know, somebody, maybe it's your birthday or Christmas, they get you a gift, and you're like, oh, I didn't expect that. And so then when it's birthday or Christmas, you feel like, okay, I guess we're on that level. And so you have to go back, and you have to go to Amazon, and you're like, well, I can't get them something too cheap, because I don't want to look like a cheapskate. But I also want to go too expensive, because I didn't know we were on this level, so I don't want to seem like I'm blowing it out of proportion, and it stresses you out. And so that's level three. For some of you, you're on that level. Then level four gets a little serious here, all right? Some of you, this might make you a little uncomfortable, but we'll get through it, all right? This is bathroom friends, all right? Some of you aren't even laughing because you're like, this is uncomfortable. Trust me, it's not going to be that bad. I don't know if you've ever placed a call, maybe a phone call, maybe a FaceTime call. Somebody has answered that call. That's when you know you are in a very serious friendship, all right? And I'm not going to go any further than that. You'll see me in the lobby. Don't even ask me. I'm not ready to talk about this because I wouldn't even put it up here if it didn't happen to me, all right? So I am, I am a broken person. It's the last level, level five. <laughs> level five is this. It's your ride or die friends, right? Like these are your bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do when they come for you kind of friendships, right? These are your loyal friends. And, and I, I don't know, maybe for some of you, you use that phrase. You're like, this is my ride or die. You know, some people have said that to me before and I'm like, ride or die? Like, why can't it be ride and live? Like, why, why do we need so much negativity? Let's be a little positive here. Let's bring some positivity. Why can't it be good boys, good boys? What you gonna do? Bring you some cookies? Like, you know, bring you some brownies? Like, that's what, like, why, why do we have to have be, put ourselves in life and death situations? And so for a lot of us, we don't know where we are at on this friendship level today. But when you think about the friendships in your life, Part of the difficulty of having strong relationships, having strong friendships, is that it's not well applauded. 
You know, we're not resourced to have good friends or good relationships because our society, what it does is it applauds being well-rounded and, not, and it does not applaud being well-surrounded. See, our society will applaud and they will say, hey, you should go get that degree. You should go get that job promotion. You should go over there and get that bigger house, that nicer car. Hey, go work on your portfolio. Our society would stand up and applaud saying, hey, you're doing a great job of being well-rounded. But when was the last time our society applauded you for being well-surrounded, having good friends around you, saying, hey, great job of surrounding yourself with good friends? This week, I read an article in the American Sociological Society, and it was a study from a few years ago. And what they discovered was that the average American only has one true friend. And I'm not talking about classmates. I'm not talking about work buddies. I'm not talking about, like, we, we share the same hobby, and so, you know, we're kind of friends that way. No, I'm talking about true friendships. People where you can share everything that's going on inside your heart and what you're dealing with and what you're struggling with, and they'll pray over you, and you can pray over them. On average, the American, Americans only have one true friend. And research is showing us over and over and over again that we're becoming disconnected that we're becoming isolated, that we're becoming lonelier than we ever have been in the history of our world. And so the question begs to be asked, what does the Bible have to say about friendships? What does this mean for all of us as a church? In fact, this week I was thinking about our church and I was thinking about the fact that we have hundreds of people coming into the church between both services on a Sunday. And as I was reading this, I was thinking about what does this mean for me as the pastor of this church? of our church. And I was saying, man, every week there are people who will come onto our campus and they'll check their kids in, say hi to some people, maybe grab some coffee, come in here. We might raise our hands. We might sing a few of the songs. We'll listen to the message. If we're taking communion that week, we'll take communion. We'll get prayed over. We might say hi, bye, do a couple pleasantries with people, pick up our kids, go home, drive home, sit down, and we're lonely. Because the truth is, statistically, we don't have a lot of friends. In fact, Proverbs 20 says this. It says, many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? Now, when we read this verse, I think it's tempting for a lot of us to start taking inventory and start start taking stock into our friendships and our relationships in our lives. And we start thinking, well, how good are people to me? Are they trustworthy to me? Are they loyal to me? But today I want us to flip that perspective. And I want you to ask yourself today, am I a loyal person? Am I a trustworthy person? And here's the reason why. Because you cannot control the measure of friendship you receive, but you can control the measure of friendship that you give. In other words, I'll say it this way, we can only control our part in the friendship. And so the question I want us to ask ourselves today is, what kind of friendships do you want? What kind of friendships do you want? Right now, in your mind, think about that. What friendship? What is the ideal friendship that you want? And once you have that, then you need to answer this question. What kind of friend am I willing to be? That's that's where I want to go. But what friend am I willing to be? Because the type of friendships we have on the future hinges on what we are willing to be intentional about today. 
See, if you see someone who has great friendships around them, those friendships have to be nurtured. They're, they had to be intentional about something very specific, specific in their lives. Great friendships do not just happen. It's not like you just meet somebody and you're like, hey, we're going to be BFFs. We're going to be great friends from here on out. No, that's not how it works. You have to be intentional. Things have to be nurtured if you want friendships to work. So I've titled today's message, It's Time to Be an Intentional Friend. It's time to be an intentional friend. And, and today we're going to be looking at three different places in God's word. And so if you have a, a, a Bible here, you, we're going to be in John, we're going to be in Romans, and we're going to be in Mark. And if we're flipping too fast for you, we'll have the verses on the screen. Or better yet, you can go to the YouVersion Bible app. There you'll be able to see all the verses, all the points, and you'll be able to take notes there. And so our first place that we're going to be is John chapter 17. So if you kind of want to make your way there. But today I want to teach us three things that I believe we can be intentional about when it comes to our friendships. And so the first thing, when it comes to our friendships, we need to have unity. We need to have unity. See, I don't know if you felt this or not uh, lately, but it feels like in 2022, it feels like we all have to agree on everything if we are going to be friends. I don't know how many of you feel that right now. I know I feel it. I think we can feel it in our neighborhoods. We feel it in where, the places where we work. We can feel it in our schools. I think even we can feel it in church. We have to agree on everything. We can look at people and go, man, if we cannot agree on every single thing, then I just don't know that we can be friends. But I love what Jesus says in John chapter 17. And uh, instead of just jumping right in, I just want to give you a little context here. This is right before Jesus goes to be crucified, dies for the sins of the world. And what we're in on is an intimate prayer between Jesus and God. And Jesus is crying out to God. And he's like, let this cup pass over me. He's sweating drops of blood. He's so anxious. He doesn't want to go to the cross and die for the sins of the world. But what's interesting is what he's praying towards the end of this prayer. John chapter 17, verse 20. He says, I do not ask for these only, speaking of his disciples. He's been praying about his disciples. And this is kind of the, the conclusion of that. He's like, I don't want to just pray for my disciples but for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Again, here's Jesus on the eve of his crucifixion. The weight of the world is crashing in on him, and what's on his heart is it's you and it's me. He's praying that as us, as believers, we would all be unified just as Jesus and the Father are unified. And we talked about this last week. We talked about how God had this perfect community with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There was this perfect community, but because of our sin, we destroyed that relationship with God, but God had a plan. He sent his son, Jesus. They broke community that they had with one another so that Jesus could reconcile us and bring us back to the Father. And so why is this important? Why is Jesus praying that we would be unified with one another? The reason why is because this unity that exists among us, it validates, it confirms, and it authenticates the mission that Jesus came into this world to accomplish. Jesus said, the way the world is going to know that I'm the real deal, that I came to do what I said I was going to come to do, is when there is unity among us. 
The world is going to look at us, the church, and they're going to see this oneness and this unity. And they're going to look at the church and go, only God could have done something like that. The world's going to look at people in the church that are different, come from different areas of the country, come from different economic backgrounds. They look different, act different, talk different, think different. And they're going to see people enjoying a right relationship with their father. And when they're enjoying a right relationship with God, they're going to see people enjoying a right relationship with each other. But don't miss this. Unity does not mean uniformity. We've all been created in the image of God. We talked about this last week. We were designed for community. We were designed for these relationships. Just as God had a relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we're also designed in that same way. But in our diversity and in our unity, that makes what this is such a beautiful picture because we have our own uniqueness and our own differences. See, unity does not mean uniformity, but unity does come from conformity. Meaning this, we're being conformed into the image of Jesus. We've been made in the image of God, but as we've given our lives to the Lord, we begin to look a little more and more like Jesus. And here's what I believe. How well we can be unified as a church, as believers, how well we unify with each other might be the greatest tool for sharing Jesus with our world. I mean, think about this for just a second. You know, uh, earlier this year, we talked about how, you know, we want to be able to have a relationship to share the gospel with other people. And so maybe for you, maybe the last couple weeks, months, or years, you've been talking to that friend, that coworker, that classmate, and you're sharing the gospel with them. You're talking to them. And you're talking about what Jesus has done. You're not being, you know, in your face about it. But, you know, when it comes up, you're like, hey, this is what Jesus has done for me. This is how Jesus is working in my life. And then maybe this person just goes, well, you know, those Christians, they're all hypocrites, or they do this, or they think that, or whatever it is. How great would it be that you could look at someone and say, you know what, I sit next to someone at church who thinks a little different, acts a little differently than I would, sees the world a little different than I would see it. We grew up a little bit different. But in our differences, in our disagreements, we have found a way to love each other. I mean, just think about the impact that could have on someone when they can see that we can be unified. We can have disagreements, but we could still be unified because we all begin to look a little bit more like Jesus. I think that's one of the greatest tools for sharing Jesus that we have. So when it comes to our friendships, we need to have unity. But here's the second thing. We have to be intentional with our influence. We have to be intentional when it comes to our influence. In fact, Romans says this, Romans chapter 12 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See what Paul is telling the church in Rome is, hey, you're not like everybody else. And because of that, you should be aware of the influence that's going on around you. Don't get conformed to all of those people. Don't let them influence you. See, one of the things you need to know about influence when it comes to our friendships is you need to be aware of the times where you're the follower and someone else is the leader. This is great, especially if you're a student here today. 
This is great for all of us, but even more specifically, I think, for students. But you need to be aware of where you're the follower and someone else is the leader. And listen, those aren't always bad friendships. Those aren't bad relationships. But you need to be aware of those scenarios because you could be hanging out and you're in that relationship and you're following someone and you're hanging out and they're like, hey, what are we going to do tonight? We go anywhere. We could do anything. We could do this. We could do that. You need to be aware of those types of relationships because sometimes those friendships those people can lead you to dangerous places. They'll take you to places you ultimately do not want to go. You know, Jesus, it says in the Bible that he was a friend of sinners. Now, that didn't mean Jesus was being influenced by them. You know, think about it. The, the tax collectors who were like the notorious sinners of the day, it wasn't like Jesus was like, all right, how can I rip off some people now, you know? I got to give me some stacks. I got to give me some cash, you know? I got to figure out how to rip off some people right now. That's not what he did. Jesus had influence on them. He was aware of those relationships and those friendships. And you need to be aware of the friendships that you have online, the friendships you have at school, at work. You need to be aware where you're following and who is influencing you. Because that may not, they may not be a good influence on you. Maybe even right now, as I'm talking about this, you have an image of somebody that you like hanging out with, but you know that they're a bad influence on you. You like hanging out with them, but you're like, I don't know that I should anymore, or, or be with them, or you have that person. Maybe today you just need to cut off that friendship because it's leading you toward a bad place. You might even need to go home and just ask yourself, who am I allowing to have influence over me? Who, who's having a voice into my life? Who's speaking into my life? Are the people in my life honoring and pleasing to God? I, I've said this before, but I love this quote. It says, when we make a choice today, we are deciding who we will be tomorrow. See, when you make a choice today about who you are letting speak into your life, who you are letting shape your worldview, when you make a choice today of what influences you are allowing into your life, into your mind, into your heart, into your soul and your emotions, and and you're making a choice today about the kind of person you're going to be tomorrow, you should be very intentional about your friendships to go, I know there are some people in my life who are leading me toward God and who God wants me to be. But I also know there are other people in my life who are dragging me away from who God wants me to be, dragging me away from God. But on the flip side of this, we should steward well the friendships where you're the leader and someone else is the follower. See, it's easy for your parents or, or for me to come up here and say, hey, watch out for those bad influences. But it's a whole other thing for you to just take a look in the mirror and go, hey, maybe I'm the bad influence. You need to think about what, like, again, if, if, you're not, if you don't know what to do that night, and you're just kind of hanging out, you're like, what are we going to do? And you could say, well, we could go do this, or we could look at that, or we could go do this thing over here. You need to be careful where you're the leader and someone else is the follower. You have to be aware of what you are influenced, what your influence is on other people. And you need to take that responsibility seriously. See, if you're a manager of a company, a director of a company, if you're in the military and you oversee people, guess what? You have influence on others. So take that responsibility seriously. In our friendships, we have to be intentional with our influence. We need to be looking for friends where we can grow together, where we can live out what Proverbs 27 says. 
It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. You should be looking for friendships where you're intentional with growing together, where you're saying, man, how can we grow together? I won't let you down a bad path if you don't steer me down a bad path. What if today you are intentional with the people in your life? We were like, hey, let's grow together. Let's grow in our marriages. Let's grow in our careers. Let's grow in the things that God wants to do in and through our lives. Make today the day that you're intentional about your influence. And here's the last thing today. When it comes to our friendships, we need, to, we need faith-filled friends. We need some faith-filled friends. I think sometimes when it comes to our friendships, this is the tool that we miss. It's that spiritual component when it comes to our friendships, where we're not just buddies, we're not just classmates, we're not just co-workers. There's a faith element to our friendship. In Mark chapter 2, I love this story in Mark chapter 2, and I think it really just shows what I'm saying here. It says this in verse 1. And when he, speaking of Jesus, returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. Right there, like, I just kind of think like this house is kind of like bubbling out a little bit, like it's just that packed because people are wanting to hear Jesus preach. And then verse three, it says, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. So some friends are bringing their sick friend to to Jesus. And in verse four, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, who's going to fix my roof? No, that's not what it says. (laughs) He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. I love that story. Because when we read that story, who doesn't say, man, I need me some tear the roof off type of friendship, right? Like who doesn't think, man, when I'm struggling to get to Jesus, I want some friends that will say, hey, let me get you back on track. Now, if it was me on the mat, I think I'd be giving my friends a little hard time. I'd be like, I saw you, you're you're like, you can't breathe right now carrying me. Like you think you're going to get me to a roof? Like I've seen how you climb. You can't even climb. Like, you don't have great balance. You know, Jesus has got to come out of the house someday, so just leave me here by the door. He'll come out one of these days. But why are they climbing to the roof? Because they wanted to get their friend to Jesus at all costs. There's one takeaway. There's one thing you hear me say this entire message. It's this. You don't need just good friendships. We need faith-filled friends. We don't just need another fantasy football buddy, which I'm looking forward to. We don't need another fantasy football buddy. We don't just need another follower on social media. Sometimes the thing that you need in your life is someone who will be there to pray for you, to encourage you, and to remind you about who God is and what God can do in your life. We need some faith-filled friends. Maybe you're here today and you're married to your friend. And you're realizing after hearing this, you're like, man, our marriage is not faith-filled. Today, make it all change. Ask God to come be the center of your marriage. And watch how he changes things. 
Maybe today you just, you have friendships, but maybe you just need to make Jesus the center of that friendship. Sometimes we can be going through things in life that are so dark, so hard, so stressful, they make us fearful, it gives us anxiety and depression. Sometimes you don't have faith enough for yourself and you need someone else to come alongside of you and go, I got you. Sometimes you just need a faith-filled friend. I was thinking about this this week. And I've been reminded over the years of the faith-filled friends that I've had in my life that have come to me, that have texted me, that have prayed over me. When I felt like giving up, when I felt like quitting, when I felt like I don't know what I'm doing, at times when I feel frustrated and aggravated and, and all the emotions, I've had people who come alongside me and carry me to Jesus. I have some friends. Let me tell you, that leadership team that I have, those are some drag me to Jesus type of friends. I have a wife who will drag me to Jesus kicking and screaming sometimes when I need it. Some people will say, well, how can I pray for the church? Pray for my wife, okay? That's how, that's the biggest thing that you could do. You know, even this week, I got a call from someone. They said, how's it going? What's going on? I would just tell them what's going on. And right then and there, he was praying for me. And you know what it's like when someone else is on the other line and somebody's praying for you. That's not an ordinary drive home. That is a faith-filled drive home. Do you have somebody in your life that is a faith-filled friend? Better question. Are you a faith-filled friend to somebody else? The only way that that's going to happen is if you're intentional. If you see a friend who's paralyzed by the things going on in this world or the things going on in their life, are you the type of person who will pick them up and say, hey, it's going to be all right, and lead them to Jesus? And I was thinking this week, I was like, man, how awesome would it be if there was a website where you could go to and you could find yourself some faith-filled friends? Wouldn't that be awesome? The good news is I found one. It's called awaken.church slash groups. (laughs) <laughs> now, now I, yeah, it's pretty good, right? But, but here's the thing. When it comes to groups, I know that we have a lot of different opinions, our own ideas and thoughts about it, you know? I think sometimes they're good. Sometimes it took a few times before you found the good group, the best group that you could find, people to surround you. But I think sometimes when it comes to groups, even when I said that, a lot of you didn't laugh because you automatically just thought of all the bad things that happened in your group, you know? You heard that group, hey, I'm gonna provide food. What'd you get, frozen pizza, celery? You know, maybe something that made you really sick and you just had to call out of work a few days, you know, because you got food poisoning. Sometimes when you think about group, you think about that smelly couch that you sat on, you know? You think about the kids who are running crazy all around the house. You thought about the dog who almost bit you. The fact that they have cats. Listen, I try to weed them out, all right? I don't like cats too, okay? But you're like, man, that group had cats and I don't like cats. Or maybe for you, it's just, man, it feels a little weird. Like group feels like AA. Like, I don't want to go there and share everything that's going on in my heart and be vulnerable with other people. Hey, nobody said you had to the first day, all right? Sometimes when we think about groups, our friends have PCS, and we go, well, I'm not going to get back into it because I'm not going to find those friends anymore. 
Or we, we go, man, my other church, they did it better, so I'm not even going to try. I know that there are hundreds of obstacles, hundreds of hurdles, hundreds of excuses we can make on why we don't want to be in a group. But here's what I believe. If you're willing to push past some of those excuses, some of those obstacles, I believe years from now, you're going to go, man, I'm really glad I ate that frozen pizza. I'm really glad I sat on that smelly couch. I'm really glad that I could take Benadryl every single night because of my allergies, because of those cats. And I sat on that couch and I sat with people who were helping me grow closer to the Lord. I grew closer to other people. They played a part in my future and I played a part in theirs. Let me tell you, you may not find the perfect group the first go around, the second time, maybe even the fifth time. But I can guarantee you You'll be so glad that you push back, push past all of the hurdles, all the obstacles, all the barriers in your way. And so I want to encourage everyone here today, be intentional about your relationships. Be intentional about your friendships. And if you don't know where to start, you can even swing by our Connect Center. And there will be people there who would love to help you sign up, tell you more about groups, let you know what's going on. And if you're just like, I'm too introverted, we'll go to awaken.church slash groups. You'll meet other in, uh, uh, introverted people as well. But make today the day that you're intentional about your friendships. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.